Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pet, the number one podcast for Airbnb hosts and short-term rental professionals. You're listening to an episode of The Host Show. I'm your host, Jesper Rivers, and we release a new episode of this show every Monday. Now, in these episodes, I interview Airbnb hosts from all around the world to share their stories and provide tips and tricks on how to get started and be successful as an Airbnb host. Now, this episode is brought to you by the Rising Stars Mastermind, which is the only mastermind for short-term rental hosts focused on building hospitality brands and scaling their hosting companies. This mastermind has been around for about two years, and it's been exclusive to our Legends X graduates. But Eric and I have decided for the first time ever that we're now opening it up for a select group of like-minded hosts to join the mastermind. Now, this mastermind is not for beginners. It's not for people who want to get started on Airbnb and talk about you know optimizing listings and guest communication and things like that. What we focus on are the things that will actually allow us to scale our companies and build long-term wealth in the short-term rental industry by owning real estate. So we're talking about building systems, we're talking about the hiring teams, developing our leadership skills, developing brands, and how to raise money. If that aligns with you and you're excited to work with myself and Eric for the next 12 months, then I invite you to go over to overnightsuccess.io slash rs and schedule a call with us to see if it's a win-win for you to join our mastermind. Get paid for your pet. 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 What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Get Paid for Your Pad. Today, I have a special guest, Mr. Garrett Ham. He's the CEO of Weekender Management. Uh, he's managing about 50 properties or so in uh, Arkansas. And uh, he's also a uh, lawyer. So we're, we're going to be talking about how to navigate uh, regulations and uh, you know regulatory limitations that are being put into place uh, in, in a lot of places right now. Um, Garrett actually helps his uh, his uh, clients to uh, to navigate those limitations. So excited to uh, dive into this, Garrett. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jasper. I appreciate your having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you uh, give us a quick uh, background? You you just mentioned you've you've only been doing the Airbnb thing for for about two years, but you're up to fifty properties, which is pretty pretty fast growth. Um, so yeah, give us a story. Like, how did you get into it and and uh, what's your experience been so far? Uh, yeah, sure. So I kind of fell backwards into um, into short-term rentals. It was kind of an accident. Um, I had started, uh, after law school, I worked for um, Walmart in their real estate department, their home, um, their world headquarters, which is up here in uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, which is where I live. Uh, I did that for three years and got a lot of experience in real estate. And then when I joined the military, what I did was when I moved each time, I would I would buy a new house and then I would hold on to the house and rent it out. And because of the VA loans, I was able to do that with, with no down payment. It was very easy. Uh, when it came time that I had built up enough equity, uh, we were looking to move home. Uh, I built up enough equity to be able to buy a place. The market here has gotten so hot because of uh, various business interests here, Walmart here, like I said, and the Walton Foundation and the Walton family has poured a lot of money into this area that's to attract people. Um, and I could not find uh, any home that would cash flow uh, for a rental. I was looking to, to buy here, and I just happened to stumble upon a house where 
the owner was doing midterms. Uh, so she was doing like 30 day uh, stays, uh, mostly uh, targeted towards, uh, there's a very uh, renowned pain specialist up here. So a lot of people would fly in for, for medical needs and she was doing very well. Uh, and so when I bought the property from her, my goal was to keep that going. And I just put it up on Airbnb uh, and it kind of went from there. It started uh, doing very well. Uh, my sister had just sold a company she had owned. She had started and founded a company for uh, glamping, uh, which they would go to people's houses or wherever they want and set up these very fancy tents with very to provide that kind of, you know, pseudo outdoorsy experience for for people who kind of like the idea of camping they just don't actually want to camp and she had sold that off she had it had done very well and i asked her to come help me uh, manage it because at the time i was living in connecticut and um, people started asking uh, for help and our management company just kind of kind of took off from there so funny how uh most uh, people who run management companies actually got into this space by accident. It's really funny. There's yeah. very few people who one day woke up and said, hey, I'm going to grow like a short-term rental management company. I'm going to start today. Right? It's always like, oh, you know, I just randomly got into it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just so interesting to see that. Um, so, so you basically in two years you scaled up to 50 units and the, that was all like mostly um worth word of mouth i think so uh so i think our biggest jump happened uh when i had uh, i built our website and before we had when we first started we had a website but it was one of those you know wix or something it was very simple uh, i built a, a website that was more interactive uh, that could uh, hopefully create a sales funnel to, to kind of guide potential clients uh, to see if they wanted to book with us. And at about the same time, I, we started running uh, Google ads. I spent about a month going through some Google ads training, trying to figure it out and do it myself. And I guess the plan is lined up. We got a lot of calls uh, from that campaign to the point where we had to turn it off. And I think once we hit about 20 properties, uh, it became word of mouth. So right now we, get almost all of our uh, new clients uh, from word of mouth, uh, from other clients um, referring uh, people to us. Yeah, and I, I had a look at your website. Um, I think you did a great job on that. And that's something that uh, people often ask is like, you know, how do I, how do I get like a, a good direct booking website that also promotes, you know, my services? Um, I mean, your website, I guess, is, is also a... Uh, <clears throat> It, it serves two purposes, right? People can book direct and people can learn about your, your services as well, correct? Uh, that's right. So the main domain, uh, which is weekend, man weekend management, is for our services. Uh, and then we have the subdomains. We have book.weekendermanagement, which is direct booking, and then blog.weekendermanagement, where we put like our educational material. Yeah, and, and you know, your website is great. Um, I, I mentioned to you before we started recording, what was that? Uh, and I was surprised to hear that you built it yourself. Uh, you know, because that's uh, it looks it looks really good. Um, what's uh, what's this? What's that tool that you use to build this website? Uh, so I used uh, Bubble. Um, it, so it's become relatively popular. It's this no code solution to that allows you to uh, build much more complicated websites than um, 
like WordPress or, or things like that. I'd encourage anybody to take a look at it. It's still, you know, there's still a pretty big learning curve, but, but nothing like, uh, like coding. I got a little bit of coding background, um, but it would have taken me a lot longer to build a website uh, that we did uh, without this tool. Right. Yeah. So for the people who are interested in, uh, who are, who kind of enjoy, you know, figuring new things out and building their own website, bubble.io is the, is the domain and if you want to take a look at um, Garrett's website it's uh, weekendermanagement.com so definitely a great uh, great example of a really good website so um, oh, thank you. let's dive into the yeah let's dive, dive into the regulatory uh, stuff so I think you're you're in five markets in Arkansas is that correct yes yeah, so the way Northwest Arkansas is set up there are uh, five major markets uh, you have Fayetteville, Springdale, uh, Bentonville, Rogers, and Bella Vista. Uh, Fayetteville has the University of Arkansas. So it's a big SEC school, um, large uh, you know, research institution. And then Springdale's near, near there. And then a little bit north, you have the Bentonville, Rogers, and, and Bella Vista area, uh, which seems to really revolve around Walmart. Because the Walmart World Headquarters is in Bentonville, which means not only is Walmart there uh, and Sam's Club, uh, but all the vendors, uh, Fortune, you know, 100 companies associated with Walmart have significant presence, a significant presence here as well. Uh, so it's a little bit different feel from both. So we kind of, you know, and guest avatars a little bit differently depending on where you are. Uh, but on top of that, the Walton family, uh, who, who own Walmart, uh, the majority stake, I believe, um, They've poured a lot of money in building these these bike trails here. So uh, Bitville's been named the bit, uh, mountain biking capital of the world in, in some publications. Uh, I think George W. Bush comes here occasionally to to ride. Uh, so that attracts a huge number of guests. So it's kind of a it's a very unique. Uh, there's five different markets, but each of them kind of have their own little um, attraction, their own draw. Right. And what what are the what are the the what's the regulatory landscape in those in those markets? So, Fayetteville and uh, Bella Vista both have uh, regulations in place to uh, restrict operations of, of short-term rentals. At the, at the time, none of the other uh, cities do, although there's rumblings about about it starting to happen. But uh, I think two years ago, Fayetteville implemented theirs, and their process is a bit. You know, a bit complicated. Uh, you have to, it's a two step process. First, you have to get a conditional use permit, uh, which requires you know, submitting uh, an application and then going before the planning commission to get approval uh, to run a short term rental. Uh, Bella Vista, and then after that, you have to apply for the license separately. Uh, Bella Vista just enacted their own laws. It's really kind of difficult to see how that one's going to play out. Um, the way it's written, you apply for a license and they do an inspection of your home. Uh, you have to get your septic tank inspected. Most of the homes in Bella Vista are on septic. But there's a lawsuit pending now uh, trying to um, have it enjoined. Uh, so we're waiting to see uh, what happens with that at the, while at the same time preparing for uh, the possibility that it will stay in place. Can you explain what a conditional use permit is? It is yeah, typically 
it doesn't typically the way it's done here it doesn't typically involve things like like short term rentals um but they they've kind of sandwiched us in here so uh, it's going before the planning commission to take request permission to use a property um for a purpose that's not exactly in line with the way it was zoned uh so it's not the, it's not really the same as a a, a variance request um it's a, kind of a a use variance request. So I have a residential property, it's zoned residential. Fayetteville has said uh, short term rentals are not residential use in a way. So you have to get permission from the planning commission, uh, who's in charge of, of zoning regulations. Uh, you have to get their permission to use it for this purpose, uh, which is outside of the intended purposes for that zone. Got it. And so even, even if, let's say I own a home in Fayetteville, like even if I owned a home, I still would need that conditional use permit and I would need a short-term rental license on top of that for me to rent it out in Airbnb. That's right. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things and you kind of see it uh, kind of throughout the country is if you want to rent your home for 29 days, you need a license. If you want to rent your home for 30 days, that's a long-term rental and you don't have to worry about any of that. Uh, so that's that's kind of the bright line. Uh, it doesn't matter if you own it. If you uh, want to use it as a short-term rental, you've got to go through this uh, process. If you're actually living in the home, it's a little easier. You don't have to get the conditional use permit. You only have to get uh, the license. Uh, but that's few, you know, few and far between. Most people who the the old idea of you know renting out air mattresses the way Airbnb started. Uh, people don't really do that anymore. Um, once in a while, you'll see someone who wants to run a room, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. So when, when it comes to applying for the CUP and the license, like what, what does that process involve? Uh, so in Fayetteville, which is the more developed one, um, there's a, there's an application on the website uh, that, shows all the information that you need to submit. Uh, you need to submit a detailed memo explaining uh, the nature of your property, uh, what you intend to do with it, uh, information such as what kind of parking do you have available, what kind of lighting, what's your plan for, for trash, um, what are potential impacts to uh, neighbors. Um, and then they want you to submit a bunch of uh, additional documentation, such as proof of ownership of the home, um, it's hard for me to imagine that there are people out there going through this process for a home they don't own. That's a lot of work as a fraudster, but I, I guess it's possible. Uh, so you got to prove your ownership. Um, if you do it like we do, if we do it on behalf of someone else, we have to get a written uh, statement from the owner uh, giving us permission to act on their behalf. We got to submit site plans. It's a very, you know, the application process is very detailed. After that, what ends up happening is uh, a city planner will be assigned. Uh, to your case, they'll review it. They'll make a uh, then they'll schedule you for a planning commission hearing. Uh, once you're scheduled, you have to mail out notices to every uh, neighbor within 250 feet of your property, uh, letting them know when the planning commission meeting is going to happen, so that they can show up and and speak uh, against it or for it, I guess, uh, if they want to. You also have to post a sign. Uh, and then you go through to, to the planning commission and they give it, you know, thumbs up or, or thumbs down. Um, 
the guidance that is given for what they can approve and what they can is pretty wide open. So they have pretty wide discretion of whether or not they want to branch your um, your permit or not. So, so I want to go into like what what can we do? Imagine like someone's listening and going through this pro is planning to go for this process. Like, what can you do to kind of maximize the chance that it'll get approved? I guess uh, you know, throwing a party, inviting all your neighbors, and making friends with them. Uh, and maybe inviting the city planners too is a good first step. It sounds like. Yeah, well, um, I don't, I don't know about getting in with the uh, city planners, but uh, if if you do have a good relationship with your neighbors, it's helpful uh, because a lot of times what you're seeing is uh, people hear stories about you know parties and nefarious activities going on at, at Airbnbs. And they're scared of it coming uh, into their neighborhood. And to be fair, as you know, a lot of those concerns are unfounded. But some there are bad actors out there. And I don't think uh, anyone's going to deny that. You hear of you know people becoming the Airbnb equivalent of slumlords. But the vast majority of them aren't like that. And what we have done in the past uh, is uh, introduce ourselves to the neighbors, and tell them, hey, look, it's very it's very important for us that we are going to be good neighbors. Here's our contact information. If any guest gets out of control or there's, you have any kind of issues with the guest, you call us and let us know. We will take care of it. We'll shut it down. Uh, things like installing uh, noise monitors and taking precautions like that to ensure. And then having a, a, a guest screening process. We use AutoHost for that, which we found to be uh, pretty effective. Uh, just to kind of demonstrate that you're going to be a, a good neighbor. And on top of that, there are benefits to short-term rentals for the neighborhood that I think need to be pointed out to people. One of them being, uh, if you're serious about being a short-term rental host, uh, you get your property has to be pristine all the time. Um, and most of the time, for most of the actors, uh, most of the people who are, who are operating in that space, if you go down uh, the street, their home is usually going to be uh, the best uh, kept. Uh, because if it's not, people are going to leave you bad reviews. You're not going to last very long. And so having, trying to build that relationship, I mean, you're probably not going to be good friends with the neighbors. Uh, but at least if you make an effort to show them that, you know, we're here not only to bring a benefit to ourselves and our clients, but we want to bring a benefit to uh, the neighborhood as well. Our people are not going to park on the street. They're not going to have parties. Uh, and the lawn's not going to grow up to your knees. That goes a long way to keeping um, the public comments uh, from coming in uh, that are opposed. Now, I've seen the Planning Commission deny permits uh, even without uh, public comment. So it, it's not a guarantee, uh, but it definitely helps if nobody shows up to passionately argue against the granting of the permit. Right. What are, what are some other things that... Uh people can do to kind of maximize their their chances i guess you mentioned you mentioned like the you know the noise monitors kind of like expressing like what you're going to be doing to keep the neighborhood safe to keep you know <clears throat> all the to keep the guests from from parties and things like that is that what you would also put in the documentation on the um on the application for the cup uh, yes, so we put the we put that information in there. If we intend, you know, we're not going to let them park on the street. Um, we're not going, and that's a big deal in here uh, in this area. With some exception, it's not like you know New York, where if you can find a parking spot, a lot of them are on the streets. People hate that, 
Uh, so they're not going to park in the streets. They're not going to have parties. They're not going to create an environment where they're out and, you know, screaming profanities and you're raising your kids and, and that kind of thing, uh, where they feel like their neighborhood is not safe anymore, um, or at least not a pleasant place uh, to be. So uh, that is a big part of what we do is just um, we do that. With the, we try to do that with the neighbors and then we put that in the application. Uh, we to you try to get out ahead to assuage the planning commission's uh, concerns. Now, of course, you have to you have to follow through, uh, but that's that's the big part is saying if you can show that you have made some effort to, uh, that you're making an effort to be a good neighbor, I think that goes a long way with the commissions. And I think that I mean that's the case in Fayetteville, uh, but I think that will probably be universally applicable no matter uh, where you are. Yeah. So anything anything else that that you could do to to have a better chance at getting approved. Well, I would uh, I would argue uh, having somebody who knows what they're what they're doing helping you through. Uh, that's that's obviously a service we offer. I am an attorney, um, so and I've got government work experience in addition to private practice experience. So, kind of navigating that bureaucracy, someone to help you through that um, is is helpful. It uh, doesn't mean you can't do it on your own. Um, a lot of uh, these systems are set up to try to help people do it on their own, but it's like anything else um, when you're when you're dealing with things. Uh, having some experience, um, uh, some experienced help uh, can can go uh, can go a long way. Uh, so I recommend you know you, you can hire an attorney. Some people do that. So I am an attorney, but I the amount of uh, legal work that I'm actually able to do through this business is limited by various uh, ethical rules. Um, the, the application process is kind of, a kind of, can kind of go either way. So we feel good doing that. Uh, but what we're trying to do now is what we're not trying to do. We're in the process. I'm in the process of opening up a standalone law firm, uh, because through a law firm, I can give uh, more, uh, legal, uh, and do more legal type work, uh, than I can through, through the, um, through the management company. But all that's to say is if, if you can't go wrong most of the time, if you hire a good management company who knows how to do this process, or if you hire uh, an attorney, because there are attorneys uh, in most areas, I think, who will just do the process for you. Right. And does it matter if you hire a local attorney or somebody in a different state? Is it, are there, this process, is it very like uh, location specific? Is it better to hire a local person or does it not really matter? I think it's, well, there's a couple of reasons better to hire a local person. Um, one of them being uh, an attorney has to be licensed in the particular state. So I can't practice law in Missouri. I can't practice law in Texas. Um, I, I'm licensed in Arkansas. So um, if someone in Texas needs to get something done and they want to hire an, an attorney, uh, you know, you need to hire a Texas attorney. The other thing is the, the quirks of the system will different from municipality to municipality. Uh, Fayetteville, for example, has limitations to uh, short-term rentals. They can only account for 2% of housing stock. Uh, but various, um, uh, Bella Vista has actually just set a 600 cap. Um, they're going to have 600 short-term rental licenses and that's it. So it's going to vary from municipality to municipality uh, based on what that particular city council thinks um, is appropriate. Do you feel like your ability to help uh, your clients, your owners uh, through this process is a is it a big selling point for you to manage? Their no, properties? I think I think so. I mean, I think that 
being able to get through that process because if you just if you're just starting out in it and you see this uh, mountain of paperwork you've got to get done um and it's a it's a little overwhelming so to be able to come to us and we'll take care of it from day one we'll uh, work you through the process and you really don't have to worry about it um our owners don't have to do uh anything i think the most i've ever had to get an owner to do was send me the copy of their insurance because they have to submit that and occasionally a uh, site plan. Uh, but, but that's it. I take care of it. I go to these planning commission meetings, which are very, very long uh, and they don't have to go to that. So I think that, I think that's a selling point to have that, that comfort of being able to go do the whole process through. And at the same time, because of the way the regulations are written, while we're working this process, we're also able to manage their property as a 30 plus day rental. Uh, so until we get the license, they're still in a position to be able to, to make some income because it can be a 60 to 120 day process. Right. And so you were saying that um, you can perform these services under your free or short term rental company. So other people that, are, that if you so if I own, a, you know, like a short term rental management company, like I, I could be offering that service to my clients as well. I don't have to be a lawyer. I don't have to be licensed. No, I don't. No, it, well, it's going to depend on your state. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a licensed real estate broker as well. And uh, just my understanding of the way that the, the regulations are written, this, I can, I can uh, apply for uh, zoning permits uh, for, for people. Uh, once you get beyond that, it gets into the practice of law. And that, that's why I have to do it through another entity uh, because this is real real estate focus and this is kind of, um, a common part of managing real estate, not necessarily just in short-term rentals. Uh, we are able to offer that through there. And I believe I would want to, you know, always advise people to talk to their own attorney uh, to, to interpret their yeah. Um, yeah. statutes uh, and their ethical rules in the area. Um, but I, I would think uh, other uh, property managers, if they feel comfortable doing it and they have experience in it, uh, they could offer that service depending on the local laws. Right. Or you could find somebody uh, to partner with, right, to offer that service. Because I could totally see how having to go through this process, I, just, I went through a, a different process, but also involving a lot of paperwork and a lot of stuff, which is to, you know, to get my work visa for the United States. Oh, man, like I would, there's no way I, would, I was going to do that by myself. Like, just looking mm -hmm. at all the forms and, like, there's, yeah, there's just no way I would, I would go through the process by myself. You know, if it didn't have my mm -hmm. lawyer, like, it's, it would have been like a no-go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a smart decision, I think. Um, let's see. So we talked about the CUP. What about the the licensing? Is that is that also like a, a long process? You, you mentioned there's a cap, uh, right, of, of 2%. Um, what's, what's the process like to get the license? Well, in Fayetteville, the cap is going to be enforced on the permit side. So once you get the permit, you're set. Um, as far as your ability to operate the house. Uh, the process to get the license, again, is more paperwork. Uh, you have to submit um, insurance, and you have to show that the insurance covers you know, short-term rentals. A lot of people don't know that, well, first off, a lot of people don't know that homeowner's insurance won't cover you. It doesn't. Um, if you, got, you can't be just using your homeowner's insurance, that's going to be a problem if something happens. But a lot of people also don't know that if they have landlord insurance, a lot of landlord insurance policies will not cover um, operating a short-term rental uh, without a special rider. So the city demands that you submit 
um, the insurance that specifically says that this covers uh, short-term rentals. Then there's a safety inspection. Uh, the city has a list of things you have to pass. Uh, we found Fayetteville's requirement to be very reasonable. Um, you know, you got to have a fire extinguisher and smoke detectors, and you have to have a record of the furnace having been uh, inspected within the last year. I mean, there's some more stuff, but those are kind of the, 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 the big ones that stand out. Uh, just basic basic safety stuff. And then once you pass that, you're, you're pretty much done. Uh, you just submit all the paperwork and wait for the city to come back and give you uh, the green light. So once you get the permit, uh, you're, you're in the clear unless your house is a, you know, if the, if the inspector comes in and your roof is caving in, you're not going to pass. But, you know, other than that, you're, once you get the permit, you're probably going to get the license. Now, Bella Vista is a little different. Uh, there's been some controversy here because, you know, city inspectors have come in and demanded things that are, uh, in my view, unreasonable, moving, uh, you know, telling them that their windows are too high off the ground. They got to move their windows. Um, they need to rebuild their deck because of some support issues uh, when they when they were built up to code at the time. Um, I haven't, you know, those reports seem a little over the top. I've heard several people tell me, but I haven't I did, uh, verified that they're actually true. But if they are, at that point, you know, the question then becomes, are are you going to make these changes or is it cheaper uh, and maybe wiser to, to maybe get an attorney involved and, and uh, file a lawsuit against the city for what you may think are un, unreasonable uh, requests? And that's kind of where we are in Bella Vista right now, trying to see what's going on with that. Uh, but Fayetteville, it's been pretty straightforward. Right. Um, awesome. Well, before we wrap this up, uh, I wanted to, <clears throat> wanted to touch on one other, other topic. Um, I know you, you're around the 50 unit mark now. You just went through our Legends X program. You literally just finished it last week, I think it was, right? That's right. Um, I'm curious to know, like, what, what's the biggest challenge that you've encountered going from, let's say, like 10, 15 to like 50 units? Um, I think finding uh, help in a way employees or, or contractors uh, in a, that are able to perform up to the standards that you have and the ability to let go of things and trust other people uh, to do it. I think the biggest challenge there is it was just me and my business partner. We have cleaners and we have some uh, managers that help us with our cleaners, but you know, she has a background in, in hospitality uh, and customer service from her, her prior business. I've got a legal background and a real estate background, and I've had some accounting. Uh, so the trying to have my, you know, us be able to encompass the whole operation uh, on our own uh, has been has been difficult, uh, particularly when you get up to, you know, 50 units. It's hard to answer all the guest communications and do all the bookkeeping and do the legal work and deal with the maintenance issues. So that, that's been the biggest challenge for us. I think the Legends X helped us a lot kind of figuring out how to put a good hiring system in place. And even something as simple as hiring a virtual assistant. We hired a virtual assistant through Virtual Staff Finder during the program. Uh, and just having somebody who can answer the guest questions has been a huge uh, relief. So we're in the process of hiring more 
uh, virtual assistants as we're also looking to see if maybe we need to bring uh, someone um, to uh, run the operations uh, locally. Uh, so I think that's been our biggest challenge. You can't manage a company at 50 uh, the same way you can manage it, you know, at, at 10. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a little sense. What's your, what's your goal in the next few years with your company? Uh, I would like uh, for us to expand uh, a little bit. And uh, I don't know that I have, um, this is something that we kind of talked about in our, our Legends X program. Our goal is to get to 75 by the end of the year. We still have that goal. Uh, but now it's, we've modified it a little bit to get to the right 75. Uh, cause you know, when you're, when you're first starting out, you're really saying yes to, to anything because you just want to get your name out there. Uh, you want to build a reputation. Now that we've kind of grown, we want to make sure that the properties that we're taking on are a good fit for, for what we offer and that the owners, um, of these properties that we're taking on are a good fit for us. You know, I, I know a lot of people have issues with some of their clients. Uh, that's a common complaint you hear. You know, some clients are difficult to deal with. And I think there, that is true. Um, but I think a lot of times, not so much that the client's difficult, it's just not a good fit. Uh, so and being able to have that conversation, we've had that conversation a few times with, hey, we're not a good fit for you. You don't seem happy or you don't like the way we do things. So let's help you find a company um that is a good fit. Uh, people, we do things one way, people do things another way. Uh, so if we get a client who's happy with somebody else, that's, that's what we try to do. Obviously though, we're, we're being a little bit more careful on the front end to be able to identify who's a good fit. Uh, so we don't have to have those conversations later. And so that they're happy from, from the beginning. Uh, and I think that's been a big adjustment for us, uh, here lately. So as far as goals, so I, we'd like to be, around 75 by the end of the year um we are always getting calls we're always growing but our what we've always said is if we're getting to a point where we're not able to provide the same kind of quality to all of our clients then we pause until we can get a system in place um where where we can and i think we've got the system in place now to grow uh to that level and uh probably beyond that um in the next couple of years awesome Sweet. Well, I uh, appreciate you uh, sharing your, your wisdom here. Um, where can people find you if they're interested in uh, your services or maybe staying in one of your units? Yeah. So um, our, if you just want a little bit, know a little bit more about our company, we're at weekendermanagement.com. Um, if you want to book with us, you can do it from that homepage. There's a, there's a link at the top that says book a stay with us. Or you can go directly to our booking website, which is book.weekendermanagement.com. Uh, dot com. And if you just want to read some of the articles that we write uh, to kind of just, you know, give advice, uh, that's at blog.weekendermanagement.com. Right on, right on. Um, awesome. So weekendermanagement.com is uh, where you can find uh, Garrett's company and, and all the info. Last question, like how did you come up with, the, with that name, Weekender Management? Well, uh, it's kind of a leftover from a strategy, our initial strategy uh, that we no longer employ. But what we ended up doing when we first started out, the people who were really coming to us were people who wanted to be part-time hosts. Uh, so they would vacate their properties, mostly on the weekends, uh, in order to make a little bit of money. Uh, so I guess my, my partner and I were talking, had a conversation, we we're saying we we're you know, wanting to serve these weekender hosts. Uh, and that's where the name came from. Uh, we don't really operate like that anymore. That's not a very sustainable business model, but it, it got us started. And, uh, 
And we kind of like the name. We kind of like the idea that, you know, somebody can be an investor uh, and not have a whole lot of uh, involvement or have to put a lot of uh, labor into the investment uh, and still still make a, uh, a lot of money uh, through through our services without having to put through the effort. So so we kept the name. Got it. I was curious. Is that I was thinking like it sounds like a management company that manages only the weekends. That makes a little sense then. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, thanks, Garrett. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll see each other uh, soon. And for the listeners, uh, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with another episode. See you then. Thank you, Jasper. Thank you so much for listening to Get Paid for Your Pad, the number one podcast for Airbnb host and short-term rental professionals. Really hope you enjoyed the show. This episode is brought to you by the Rising Stars Mastermind, the only short-term rental mastermind for hosts focused on building hospitality brands, scaling their hosting companies. Now, this mastermind has been around for almost two years, but it's been exclusive to our Legends X graduates. But now, for the first time ever, we are actually opening it up, up to a select group of like-minded hosts to join us in the mastermind. Now, this is not a beginner mastermind. It's not for people who want to learn the basics around Airbnb and short-term rentals. What we focus on are the things that will allow us to really scale and grow, right? So we're talking about building systems. We're talking about how to build teams, how to hire the right people, how to develop your leadership skills, how to become the CEO of your company, uh, how to develop your brand and how to raise money. Now, if that's something that aligns with you and you're excited to work with us uh, for the next 12 months, then I invite you to chat with us to see if it's a win-win for you. Uh, you can find more information on the mastermind at overnightsuccess.io slash rs. And that's also where you can schedule a call with our team um, to discuss the mastermind and uh, see if it's a good fit. So uh, appreciate you all and we'll see you next time. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.